0: This is episode 93 of Offscript, intimate interviews and fun conversations with interesting people. Joining me today via Skype, I have author Dennis Powers, among other things. Dennis, thank you for being here with me.
1: You know, it's my pleasure. It really is. I've been here for heading on to 30 years and I'm glad to work with you. Uh,
0: You've been here Southern Oregon for 30 years.
1: Yeah, approximately. Actually, uh, to be exact, it's 27 to 28. Uh, My business career was where well, I, I came from a middle-class family. Uh, I was able to work and get a law degree and an MBA. I then worked for large companies running money. My first third. Second third, Trish, was that I uh, had my own little businesses, my own office. And then the best of my life was the last third, where I was teaching business law at Southern Oregon University. Uh, and it's really been a great ride.
0: Awesome. Where are you from originally, Dennis?
1: I came originally from Westfield, New Jersey, on the East Coast, Okay, Uh, but but since my family is from Colorado, I headed there for two of my degrees.
0: Okay, And you moved to Southern Oregon, you said, to get your law degree?
1: No, actually, uh, I first went ahead uh, to the University of Colorado. I earned my BA in 64, my JD degree uh, in 66, and then I earned my master's in business from Harvard uh, Business School, and that was in 1969. Then my career took off in the different thirds, and then really enjoyed it when I came here in 1992-93 to uh, Southern Oregon University, then Southern Oregon State College.
0: And you're best known probably for um, some of the books that you've written in the last couple decades, (laughs) right?
1: That is is very true. I was really lucky there because I was able to come across regional stories that New York publishers loved. Uh, and uh, I did one that was called The Office Romance, uh, which had to do with consensual relations in the workplace, and that put me on a national book tour. Uh, then I wrote The Raging Sea about the Crescent City tsunami that came down uh, in 1964, and that put me on a book tour. Uh, then I did Treasure Ship about the brother Jonathan that, was, that sank off of Crescent City. Uh, in 1865, and then from there it was a a number of different marine uh, and sea stories, and then I got into history about our region which I really enjoy.
0: Right, and that is why you are here with me today. We are talking about history, not even sort of Southern Oregon history, Oregon history, but really um, our history across the nation and around the globe. Um, I wanted to talk to you a little bit to maybe put some things into perspective for us We are in an incredibly dark time right now, not only in our nation, but around the world. Um, But talking with you, I have learned that we've seen other dark times, maybe as dark or even darker. So you are going to be my history professor today, and I'm going to be the student. Um, I actually did really well in history. So I'm sure you did. (laughs) Maybe let's start from the beginning. Uh, You agree, we are in a very dark time right now.
1: Yeah. And actually uh, what it is is that we could even subtitle this living life can be hazardous to your health. Uh, And in any event, uh, we even go all the way back to uh, three years after the Civil War with the Jackson County smallpox epidemic. Uh, And then there have been other times that we we go to. uh, We've always had epidemics of smallpox, influenza, Spanish flu, polio, we all remember and others. Uh, for our area, the Orchard boom and bust uh, in the uh, early 1900s uh, brought about how Medford eventually became uh, the county seat for Jackson County. We also had the first Ashland Hospital in 1907. Uh, we also had Sacred Heart Hospital by the Sisters of Providence uh, that was built in 1912. But then, my friend, we come to World War I mm-hmm. in terms of major dark moments. A total of 20 million soldiers and civilians died, 117,000 Americans. But it was because of the fact of that war that we had the 1918 influenza pandemic, the most severe up until now in, in history. And that particular one came during the war. So returning soldiers carried this with them all across the world. That was so bad that one-third of the world's population became infected with this virus, of which 50 million died worldwide, about 675,000 in the United States. Hmm. We can then go ahead and we'll see what Southern Oregon did uh, in terms of this and how they really stood out. Next, uh, the dark moment was, of course, the Great Depression. And we we can go into that in terms of the effect that it had here in Southern Oregon. And then World War II came down the pike, deadliest military conflict in history. Seventy to eighty-five million people died during that time. Uh, And then think about all the other wars we've had, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, the two Iraqi wars, 9-11, to get us to the 2008 Great Recession that we all remember, the bailouts that happened there. And now we have the... uh, 2020 COVID-19 virus, and what's really amazing to me is that during this time, Southern Oregon also had its own specific types of regional problems, such as the West Coast 1964 Christmas flood, the 1997 New Year's Day flood that we all remember, bridges were washed out, it cut Ashton in half, and then who has forgotten the 2002 Biscuit Fire that started with dry lightning, and then we come up uh, to uh, 2017 and 2018, with the smoking fires, that was so hard for all of us. So we've had a number of dark moments, but we've survived them. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a can-do region. We'll okay. survive this one, even though the the news coming through in the next three, four weeks is going to be very, very dark.
0: Well, thank you, first of all, for putting all of that into chronological order, because as um, we've chatted a couple of times, we were trying to figure out what were some of the good moments in our history to bring up. So thank you for putting that into chronological order. And also thank you for now I'm super depressed.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, the the good news, uh, Trish, is that. We, even with this, all of them affected our families, generations, you know, going back to, let's say, World War I and World War II, but this country has always survived it. There has always been a can-do attitude that I've seen that really stands out, uh, and it's why I know we're going to get through this one, and part of the reason is that uh, we didn't even have these government uh, type of programs as an underbelly you know, for the troubles that people are having. We didn't have that in World War One. We didn't have that in the great recessions we had. Uh, we didn't have it in terms of the 1918 influenza pandemic. So... There's a lot of things here that really to me stand out and uh, it's my pleasure to be working with you.
0: Well, thank you. Let's uh, go back a little bit. And when you said we will get through this, um, I I felt that in my heart for sure, because I agree and I think a lot of people agree, it's just tough times and it's hard sometimes to look at that because it seems so far in the future. But um, we'll we'll, kind of circle back around to that. Let's get back to um, the 1918 influenza. That's also Spanish flu, correct?
1: That's that's correct. That's influenza. I might mention just before then, thanks to Bill Miller who did the research, was that in 1868 we had a a smallpox uh, outbreak that was really around Jacksonville because we had not at that time, we didn't even have Medford that was on the map because the railroad hadn't come through yet. But what was interesting to me is the fact that they went ahead uh, and the, the Jackson Board of Trustees did these type of of rules right off the bat. Every person who had not been vaccinated with the smallpox vaccine, even though uh, it uh, was invented and brought to to market 70 years ago, would have to have a vaccination. Uh, They drew up a list of those that needed to be vaccinated and a doctor would be fined up to $100 if he or she failed to change clothing after each vaccination and anyone exposed to the, the disease was banned from even walking down the street. Hmm. And then the influenza was so unbelievable.
0: So uh, we were we were practicing social distancing in Jackson County in 1868.
1: Uh, it was a different type of social distancing that came from some very strong, very strict regulations when okay. mayor. Mayor Gates of Medford, uh, Trish, learned that people were dying of the 1918 flu in California. He took quick action, very strict action. He ordered Medford residents to wear masks. Uh, He told the railroad, stop, enforced by the police, to bringing sick people into town. He closed down right off the bat by fiat. Schools, churches, and other places where people gathered, Uh, and then Sacred Heart Hospital, uh, which uh, had already come into being in 1912 on knob hill uh by the sisters of providence they put its upstairs floor as a flu ward the city of medford produced bedding and this is what's amazing to me of 150 people treated at the hospital only 12 died and only 10 died at ashland's hospital so it was very strong very strict action wow uh and as a matter of fact one last thing that really stood out to me trish was the fact that if anyone did not wear a mask in public in medford you could you didn't have that regulation in ashland you had a fine of five dollars a day
0: wow and this was all this was in 1868 uh this was in
1: 1918 1918 this is
0: the spanish flu okay
1: this is the spanish flu because we jumped to the spanish flu right so what happened Uh, when he learned that people were dying of the 1918 flu across the border in California, he took this action. The fine of $5 was a day's wages then. Wow. So as you're hanging out, it was very, very strict. So there's another couple of things that that really stood out as to why we were really relatively unscathed. Uh, One was we had this rural population, and and the population then was probably, let's say, around the neighborhood of 8,000. We also didn't have I-5. It was very tough, which didn't come about in 1960. It was very tough, my friend, to go ahead and take 99 over the Siskiyou uh, summit. Uh, And because of that, we were relatively isolated. So even the 1918 Spanish flu influenza uh, was taken care of uh, very well. But the reason, again, was that we had very strict, and this is what I'm pointing out, very strict. Regulations that came down right after that, by fiat. That was it, enforced by the police, and they didn't really worry about constitutional provisions at that point in time.
0: Right, a little bit of deja vu, right? I mean, it seems that way. It was. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't realize that. You know, World War One, which a pretty dark time in our history, and then because of World War One, that's uh, the the flu from 1918. That's really why we saw that.
1: Uh, I'm having a little problem hearing you on that, if I could.
0: So, um, uh, let me just repeat the question then for you. So World War I, uh, a, a dark time in our history, World War I, and then the, the influenza of 1918, that was a result from that war?
1: That really was come and brought by the war because it actually started during World War I, And for some reason, it really was looked upon as being separate, and because here the pandemic in the United States was so vicious that the 675,000 deaths occurred over a 10-month span, and towards the end was when World War I and the Armistice came about in 1919. So it was one that was brought back by soldiers. And we're even seeing now uh, with an aircraft carrier for the U.S. Navy, uh, we're seeing many types of things we always are wondering about with all close associations, what, 5,000 sailors, all you need is one and you have close proximity. And that certainly is going to be something we're going to be hearing more about down the pike.
0: Okay, and we've seen um, other pandemics, correct?
1: Uh, Not like the 1918 influenza. Uh, We've had, you know, like, for example, the ones that stand out, like the polio panic and and iron lungs. Whereas, as a matter of fact, because uh, George Milliken back uh, in the uh, late 1940s had a friend that died of, of polio because they were being transported by ambulance, had to make a lot of different stops because they only had one respirator, if you will, one iron lung, uh, and that was in Portland, so they had to keep stopping to get air. Uh, And when his good friend died, that's when he decided to get the bamboo bomber and to go ahead uh, and start up what became Mercy Flights, the first in the country.
0: Wow. That's a good little piece of history.
1: Yeah, so we've had a number of these things here, and also uh, Southern Oregon has been such a hotbed of entrepreneurial things that were started in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s that we're even seeing now. Like what? Uh, Well, for example, uh, one of the best ones that stands out to me uh, is uh, Sid and Karen DeBoer, Sid DeBoer with Lithia Motors that was started uh, when his father, Walt, died. I think it was like in 1964. Uh, and he took over that, that uh, what was a small little Dodge dealership in Ashland, and he's built it up to this enormous billion-dollar, uh, billion in sales. Actually, I think it hit like uh, $12 billion last year, uh, and, and an, amazing, and still headquartered in Medford. You had wildlife images that started up. Uh, dogs uh, for Better Lives, now, or Dogs for the Deaf, started up here as the, one of the, oh, actually it was the first, because I checked that down, there was an outfit out in New York that said they were the first, and actually they weren't when you checked uh, their, their uh, website. So we've had a lot of these different things, uh, you know, science works that was started up, uh, to one of the best science museums here uh, in our region. So there's, a, I'm very proud of our region because of the fact we just kind of take things for granted and yet we have really stood out.
0: Okay, good to know. Um, Other dark times in our history, I know one that sticks out to me for sure, uh, World War II.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, World War II um, was such a shock to this country. Uh, Even though there were uh, war drums of war from Japan and Hitler and Germany, we really weren't thinking about it until you had the Japanese attacking Pearl Harbor in December, uh, and, and make a long story short, when that happened, everything changed. But we were not impacted as bad. We had, of course, soldiers that immediately enlisted, uh, you know, to go into uh, the armed forces 1941, 1942. Uh, but from the Great Depression, what really helped us out uh, was the fact that uh, these the city leaders were able to, convinced the Army that the Agate Desert uh, would be a perfect place for training troops. And in six months, the Army built one of their very large nine training centers at what was be- what then later became White City after the end of the war, They were mm-hmm. training up to 40,000 troops a time. Uh, it was so busy. Uh, that Crater Lake Highway was made one way in one direction, and they had Table Rock coming back in the different direction. Uh, and you see these soldiers on leave would like to go to places. So, of course, they would come into Medford, and they would come into outlying areas where you had different canteens. And so it really was a, a, a shot that came into uh, uh, the, the Jackson County and then also Josephine County. It was so amazing that they even had German uh, uh, POWs that were there that helped out in picking the orchards. And they were paid uh, like a bottle of beer and a buck a day, which they thought was great. (laughs) It was so great, Trish, that they came. They came back after the war when they were repatriated. said, Are you kidding me? I love it. This is a great place to live
0: well it is a great place to live i love that that's that's awesome you mentioned something um right at the beginning there dennis that world war ii at least in the united states we weren't really thinking that this was going to impact us it seems as though that happens a lot i mean that happened with coronavirus this started in china a lot of us thought there's no way it can make its way here to the united states
1: yeah, that's true. And and part of the reason again uh is that uh and also why we, we fared fairly well in the Depression, is that we have less population density here. I mean, even though it has built up uh, to Medford with eighty thousand and Jackson County with two hundred thousand, and we go through uh, you know, to Grands Pass thirty five thousand, Josephine County about seventy five thousand, it's still very small, not that densely populated. It's a rural area, less dependent on social services. Another one is that there's this can do attitude. Uh, and that's very, very true because, as you're pointing out, it has come to us. And again, another thing that's really important uh, is that I-5, uh, is I 5, which I'd mentioned before, didn't come into being until the 1960s. It was a tough 99 route 99 to try to get into our area at the time so that when people during the depression they didn't come here to oregon you know they were hitting in to uh, uh, california uh, another thing too is that we didn't have a dust bowl uh, as a matter of fact during the depression we weren't as bad impacted as urbanized areas and the reason was yes we did have bank failures uh, we also and also what they did is they just by fiat set up Transit stations for any transits that made it up here and put them to work in the forest. Hmm. Uh, so, timber and forestry continued. We had good climate. Businesses basically changed locations. You had Harry and David with the orchards that hit to 1934 with the Commas Pear and then later on the First Fruit of the Month Club. But the other thing that really hit me though is that if you look at this, which I checked for you, was the fact that the same number of folks in Medford in 1930 were the same amount as we had in 1940, about 11,000, which said an awful lot about how we were more contained and able to work more with neighbors. We didn't have a problem with social distancing during the Depression, and so we actually were able to weather better. Now, there were a lot of stories about, you know, businesses that struggled and went out of business, but when you look at it in its overview concept, we did fairly well.
0: Mm-hmm. So the Great Depression, so here, at least in Southern Oregon, we were hanging on. You could not say that, though, around the country when it comes to the Great Depression.
1: That's actually very true, very accurate, and, and, and right on point. Because the, the pictures and the images we have of long lines of men uh, trying to go ahead and find work. Uh, were in the urbanized areas. We're seeing it right now. We're seeing it right now with the COVID-19 in terms of uh, New York City uh, with the, the great amount, percentage-wise, of any city. Illinois is taking place. And then where we had uh, 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 young kids, which I couldn't believe, headed down to Mexico. And now you have dozens of, of returning young students that have COVID-19. mm mm-hmm. And so they're transmitters to a certain extent. I mean, I, I really, I enjoyed very much, you know, working with, with the younger and even the older generation, uh, you know, when I was teaching, every day we learn something together. Uh, but uh, there is a situation where, as you're pointing out, urbanization can be a major problem. And that's why Portland is one of the ones we should be looking at.
0: Okay. Um, and then also with uh, the Great Depression, as we're seeing, right now with COVID-19 we came out of that we came out of the Great Depression it took some time but we came out of that we also saw a lot of uh, policy change and new rules and restrictions go into place after the Great Depression and someone mentioned in an interview this morning if we don't come out of COVID-19 pandemic with some changes and as a changed population then we've done something wrong
1: there will be definite changes And it's amazing because, Trish, when this started coming into the United States, people centered just in terms of social isolation and then didn't pay attention to the tremendous economic dislocations. Now when we're seeing it with the economic dislocations, we're not looking at the next phase, which is going to be, we will get through this. There will be a vaccine, whether it's a year from now or whatever. We will get through this. Uh, and the question is, is, is to what extent are we going to have this dislocation that will continue on? And definitely we have seen before, like the interview that, that we're doing today, uh, you know, I've, I've, no, I've, done, I've been doing much more Skype interviews now. Uh, whereas before it was coming in the studio, getting to know the host, you know, saying, hey, how's the family going? You know, it, it, it's, it's good to see you. And so this work at home is definitely going to be continuing through. Another thing that I think people should center on more uh, is that it's going to take people psychologically some time to get through this. Mm-hmm. Because when you get used to getting into your own little social spheres, you know, you call up a friend, you know, you do a Skype, uh, you know, you, 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 if you're going for trails, which I would really recommend, you know, the parks are closed. You can't go for a picnic, but you can still go on the trail. Stay six feet away. Get the exercise in. Mind, body, and spirit. Get the mind going. Get the spirit going. Keep the body going. Uh, and so these changes are really going to be coming in Uh, as it's going to be, what's going to happen to restaurants now? Are we going to have a lot more ordering in? Some restaurants are definitely never going to make it. You're going to have some business that definitely will never come back, regardless of the stimulus. Uh, So I would think that that there's these uh, types of changes coming down. What else have you seen?
0: I think, I mean, you hit it. We've seen so many different, um, I, I have seen one thing that is really nice to see. Because of social distancing and isolation, I believe there's more of an effort to reach out to family and friends where we sort of took that for granted before because, oh, I'll see her next week or, oh, I'll, I'll talk to mom tomorrow. But we're really taking um, more time and more thought in how we're going to reach out to people because it's more important now than ever to check in with our friends and families and our neighbors.
1: That's an excellent point. Uh, because I've been doing it myself, whereas before when we're in a very busy day, we just say, well, I can, you know, I'll give a call to my granddaughter later or something like this. The other thing, too, that you're pointing out so well uh, is that there are are neighborhood checks going on, Mm -hmm. calling up an older neighbor saying, hey, I'm just wanting to see how you're doing. Uh, You know, we're heading out uh, because we need to buy food or get a medication or something like that. uh, Is there something we can get for you? Uh, I got a couple of emails from friends uh, that said that they are donating more to charities, to access, uh, Dogs for Better Lives, uh, you know, different types of places. So there is this community type of feeling. And again, we're lucky because we're in an area where we know our neighborhoods. We're not piled on, on top of each other like in these highly urbanized cities, so th- this, this asset And as you're pointing out is one where we're reaching out and doing it to people you haven't done before is an excellent idea.
0: Uh, Would you agree, Dennis, we've seen that historically though, whether it's after a major war or the great depression or a pandemic or a natural disaster, we've seen at least across our country communities and people coming together to rally around those who are sick or have lost their home or a community that's completely been devastated by fire or hurricane. We've seen that historically.
1: Yes, we have. Uh, And, uh, you know, if we take a look, for example, uh, here in Southern Oregon, uh, we had uh, the uh, uh, Christmas flood of 1964. And that was really uh, a, a very, it was a hundred year flood, but it was caused by uh, atmospheric changes that you see very, very seldom. Where we had heavy snowfalls, where the snow really was on the surrounding mountains, Cascades, Siskiyous. Uh, and then an unseasonably warm uh, front came in that melted this with heavy rains. And so before Christmas, you had this inundation of feeder streams, and it was the Umpqua, you know, of course up north, but the Rogue River had the worst situation, where it came down to where uh, it was just so quick and so devastating. Shady Cove was cut off. It was just about devastated. When you talk to some of the people in Shady Cove that remember it, they said it was dark. There was no power. All we could hear was the crashing of logs and an occasional house coming down and log piles coming down. And of course, all this went down the entire river because uh, we didn't have Lost Creek uh, Dam that was there at the time or Lost Creek Lake. And it came down into Medford, where if you see the pictures, you just shook your heads at, at the flooding and the destruction uh, you had in Goad Hill, uh, the uh, uh, river... Was five feet high, 600 feet from where the bank once was. Uh, if you looked at the city of Rogue River and Grands Pass, they were 12 to 15 feet over flood levels. Now, when, when the flood subsided, uh, you had course sanitation problems because sewer lines were broken and septic tanks were there. And so, what happened though is that there was really uh, a, a can do uh, insurance didn't cover this. And so people just started rebuilding. Now, again, a very important distinction there was the fact that we didn't have social isolation. So people went right and took care of families. Uh, Areas outside of Jackson and Josephine County were where uh, families could go uh, while the rebuilding started and businesses restarted. So again, the strengths that we have here are the reason why even with these types of tragedies, uh that that uh, acts of courage of people rescuing others that were caught in these raging streams in raging uh rivers uh that that really stood out Mm -hmm. Uh,
0: yeah that was a big one for our history that that's the 1964 um flood christmas
1: flood Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly right Uh, and there were just so many different things that happened it was also destructive in Northern California uh, and the towns and residents really actually banded together uh, took in friends and then the Salvation Army and other nonprofits opened their doors mm. uh, you had and then shops reopened even without flood insurance now a, a, a key thing though is that when I talk to the es- the experts uh, people doubt that the flood control dams built after 1964 can restrain the next 100-year deluge because of all the countless homes built by the river and those who are, un- are totally unaware of, of a severe flood's destructive powers, which I've seen because I'll head out, I would see some news crews out there, and I'd head out there and take a look at some of these raging waters, like in the 1997 uh, Ashland flood, they're dangerous.
0: Oh, super dangerous and incredibly destructive. Um, other, other dark times in Southern Oregon, I know I've read on the decline of the timber industry, but talk to me a little bit about the orchard bust.
1: Uh, that's, a, that's an excellent one because it shows, it shows like even with economic boom times, there's going to be bust times. We have a natural cycle of life, you know, like for example, you know, you're young, you're older, there are different things you deal with uh, and life is good. But in terms of the orchard boom, the Medford Commercial Club, which is now the Chamber of Commerce, did such a long advertising campaign in the early 1900s about the great advantages of the area's orchard industry that anyone could plant fruit trees and make easy money. And so they had so many people coming in uh, for that. Uh, and also, as part of the fact that, for example, a carload of commerce pears from the Bear Creek Orchards sold at a new york auction uh in 1907 for almost five thousand dollars this was a lot of money so people were flooding in here they even had to build a tent city uh to house other people coming in but we had wealthy easterners and midwesterners that came in because there was a social connection there with chicago illinois and with these people these educated wealthy people uh, they wanted to have more amenities. So by 1912, Medford had a high school, three elementary schools, a city park, Pastor depot, new library, indoor swimming pool, and listen to this, and even an opera house. <laughs> Fantastic. But, but the promoters came in, and the speculators came in so badly that in the Agate Desert, uh, one of the promoters uh, said that, uh, I could. there's 400 acres here I bought, and... They asked about the rocks, the numerous rocks. They said, don't worry about the numerous rocks. Forget about it. You know, the rocks kept the heat from the day's sun, and so smudge punts weren't needed at night. Well, anyway, with all this became the bust, World War I, hmm. because the blockades started, stopped the export market. Uh, you had insect blight, frost, uh, drought, uh, and then you had uh, the influenza that we were talking about. And so by 1920 Medford's population dropped about 30% to around 7,500 took years to recover such as after the Great Depression, World War II and Camp White
0: Gotcha It all it's all very cyclical
1: Very cyclical and that's that's that is so true because you know that's something when we think about today uh and your point about reaching out to others, bottom line is, is, every day is important. And instead of saying, oh, what am I going to do today? You might say, well, what do I have to do today? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, don't, I, I don't have to go ahead. I, and if I'm working at home, I can work at home. But also, is there a hobby I'd like to do? Do I want to spend some more time, you know, reaching out to my family, uh, you know, doing positive things? You know, like a friend of mine kept saying, you need to find a positive addiction in life—something that's that you really like. Either, if you're lucky, the job you have—you know, television, radio, whatever it is—or if it's just something that you want to write, which was my my passion that, that I was able to find later in life. I love it. Uh, passions are are good.
0: Yeah. Positive. Well. I would say I'm addicted to doing this podcast, for sure. That's my positive addiction. So I'm good. I love it. Yeah.
1: Well, you do it. Not only uh, only are you good, you do it well.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you, Dennis. Thank you.
1: you. The reason is, as you prepare, as as your guests, if you select them right, prepare. Mm. So the preparation uh, and the experience all add up.
0: I love it. What can history teach us right now?
1: all things pass. Uh, But we've talked about some of the changes we think will happen and some of the trends that we think will continue on. There is one thing that I think we should kind of center on. We cannot focus on stimulus. We cannot function entirely on government assistance. And the reason is, is that right now, if we add in the stimulus effect, the federal debt is about $24 trillion. Now, I'm not a worrywart. I'm just being realistic. The Federal Reserve has beefed up uh, its uh, balance sheet to approximately $6 trillion. So we're looking at $30 trillion. Uh, and then there's going to be the problem of every one of us have different types of needs. And so, as we reach out with our friends, and this is why I'm very confident we're going to see our way through with it, even if we don't have the type of governmental assistance uh, that comes in as they need. I don't see uh, that we're going to have inflation because the government needs to keep refinancing this debt at low interest rates, and they're going to keep these rates low. But I really think that this is a time that we can look ahead and say, okay. Maybe I can plan on something else I'd like to do. Maybe I might go ahead and get some type of uh, a degree because I want to go into nursing or I really want to go into mechanics and, and use this time to start programming yourself as to other things you can do because the positive things about this is that things will change, but you can change with it and have more control over what's out there, and keep the social distancing. And, and, and don't worry about the economic dislocations, uh, because it's happening to all of us. We are just one part of the same group. And don't focus on how much you know, your retirement savings or your net worth has gone down. Forget that. But go ahead and be sure you have your cash, and think about the needs that you need to meet for your loved ones, for your friends, for others, and that is so important.
0: Yeah, no, that's some really good advice right there. I this occurred to me this morning, Dennis, what should we be doing? You may have hit on it just a little bit right now. What should we be doing besides the obvious uh, during this historic time? Should should we be keeping a journal? Should we be taking pictures and I mean, is there anything we should be doing as a people to remember this or just going through it will be enough?
1: I, that's an excellent question, because I, I, the way I see it is that all of us have individual special needs uh, and abilities. I've always felt that every person I meet has at least one special advantage that's to them, uh, and it's how they share it or can share it. So those uh, who like photography take the images that you're seeing even if it's from six feet away uh, I and my wife have been able to go ahead Trish uh, and we go on different trails and we get to see the same people we stay six feet away we're exercising and we'll give a, a little like this a little mm-hmm. how are you doing you know and a smile and that's a social engagement but we're six feet away uh, and, and we wait so that others can go past us so we don't come too close. So it's also a time to go ahead and bring in some civility to, because we get so busy in our, our occupations, in our lives, that we forget about the fact that, that we are part of a people of individual needs, and it's also one of being supportive and being civil.
0: And everyone, every single person is being affected everyone. by this right now
1: everyone. And I've also seen it, too, uh, in terms of people that I've known, I could see with others they're being a little sharp, uh, or I see a little more arguments coming in. Uh, And uh, you'll always find there are people that say, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. You know, about politics, for example, that always will seem to come up and just say, you know, I'm I'm really sorry that you're feeling that way, but we'll stay in touch Mm -hmm. and let it go. So so civility, This is the time to show the civility. And, you know, Trish, we are so fortunate being in this area of not where we have buildings on top of one another. Uh, We don't have a situation where uh, we have, uh, you know, multi-different types of peoples with practices and things like this. Uh, We are diverse, yes, which is good, but we're not over-urbanized.
0: Right. uh, I'm definitely one of those who's been a little sharp lately. I'm a little on edge some days. So I admit to that, I admit.
1: Well, you know, you know that's so funny because I will admit also uh, a couple of times, not with friends, but, it, but at times I've been happily married, you know, for 35, 40 years. And all my wife now has to do is, you know how this goes, one sentence, and I don't <laughs> raise my voice. <laughs> and she'll look at me and she'll say, Dennis, you're still in training.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's good.
1: It's the irritability quotient,
0: <laughs> right? Um, and Dennis, just just sort of wrapping up. One thing I've learned from you today is that we are resilient. I, I hear this a lot, but through history, we as humans are incredibly resilient. It may take some time to get back to where we were financially economically mentally but but it, it sounds like through all of these really really dark times in history we've come out of it and we've gotten stronger
1: yes uh it, the part of it is that we have no other choice
0: <laughs> good point and
1: if you have life to live uh even with its ups and downs it just makes more sense to go ahead and say, okay, what can I think that's positive today? And that resilience is what happens. And we're going to go through some really tough times. Uh, it, it makes a difference in terms of whether you've lost your job and you're wondering where, uh, you know, uh, a meal is coming. Well, there's nonprofits out there. There are checks that are going to be coming. Look at some of the positive sides if you can. And, and I'm not downplaying the fact that, that this is going to be tough and there's people that are going to really be feeling, feeling down. That's natural and normal, but this will pass. It's going to depend on your attitude. Attitude is everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Even myself, I have to remind myself to do that. I have to say, okay, this is what you tell other people. Now use it.
0: Yeah, keep moving forward. That's
1: right. And never look backwards because it might be gaining.
0: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Dennis, you've been a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for your knowledge. I know you've looked up some things for me uh, to make sure you had the facts this morning, so I really appreciate that. Um, But I I do appreciate the history lesson. It's been a lot of fun.
1: It has been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed it. I enjoy working with you. and. who knows maybe there'll be a enough time but in anything you just really have a great day and continue all that you're doing with the news
0: well and if you would like to learn more about dennis powers you can uh, learn more at dennispowersbooks.com and if you are listening to this podcast on apple's podcast app and you like it please subscribe rate and review it helps other people find us We are also on Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. The video version can be found uh, at ktvl.com. Just click on Features and also on YouTube. One more time, author Dennis Powers, thank you so much for your brain this morning. We appreciate it.
1: And my best to you and KTVL. It's been my pleasure, thanks.
0: Thank you.